1: And even... Checkouts not until four, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
0: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on v
4: the Sports Betting Network.
2: Hey, Sharp Money. It's been quite a run today. Of course, John Smoltz, the Hall of Famer, earlier. 24-7 sports is just, it's a must. You got to bookmark it and 24-7 sports national football reporter Brandon Marcello joins us here. And I got to be honest. So you can find him at B Marcello, M-A-R-C-C-E-L-L-O. And I just got this picture. Now, we used to have you on Mad Dog Sports Radio back in the day. And I didn't realize that you went through such a journey with the weight loss. My gosh, are you handsome? Look at this weight loss. So on the left, you can go over to Brandon Marcello on Twitter and see a picture of a handsome bald guy with a beard. And then all of a sudden you come out. And you look like you're modeling. Can we walk (laughs) through? First off, congratulations, because that's a wonderful, that's dedication that I don't even have. But can you walk through the journey? I hate to ask you, but it's awesome.
5: Yeah, back in March 2021, I uh, was just, I got sick of being in pain and, and being very slow to get off the ground when I was playing with my toddler son. And I decided I was going to buy an elliptical and figure out a diet plan, an exercise plan. And uh, on April 1st, I had circled on my calendar, on April Fool's Day, I was going to stop being a fool and change my life. So I uh, just started getting on the elliptical and walking. I'd walk five to six days a week, three to five miles, and I started doing, this isn't a plug, because they don't pay me or anything. I did Nutrisystem, ate a lot of raw vegetables, and over you know, a year and a half, I lost about 150 pounds. Wow. I went from 324 pounds to at my lowest 173. And I've gained about 19 pounds back, but that's 19 pounds of mostly muscle. I've been doing a lot of strength training over the last 14 months, 13 months. And I've never felt better in my life, including in high school. And uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done for myself. You, you look
2: incredible. And can I do something here? Can we bring in Dustin Sweetelson? I ho- hope you don't mind, Dustin. But years ago, I've been working with Dustin for many years. And he had gotten to a point where he was, Brandon, he got up close to 400 pounds. And at that time, we were doing a radio show. And I said, you're not coming back on the radio until you commit yourself to your health. Because we were concerned about him. And Dustin, I was hoping maybe you could uh, maybe get some inspiration here from Brandon because you got to look at him. Dustin, how does that not inspire you?
1: Oh,
6: I check out his Twitter all the time for inspiration because I look unlike Brandon, like I've done it twice where I've lost big chunks and then gained it back. And it's so hard to keep it off. Like losing it was one thing, but to maintain it is, I think, five times as hard as losing it. Like losing it is hard, but. Keeping it off is absolutely the hardest thing in the world.
5: It's really difficult. Uh, You know, every day is a battle. I I I don't know what it is. I've got I've motivated myself with an app. Like I've got to like I'm hitting goals every day and everything. So like, even today here uh, in an hour and a half, I'm going to the gym uh, to, to go do my, uh, upper body stuff. And it's just, but it's like, I'm always trying to set new goals and reach them. And it's just, it's amazing how technology and app has helped keep me on that path. Cause every day is an absolute grind. You see the memes and everything. It's like, I lost all this weight, but you mean to tell me, I have to keep eating healthy to, to, to keep looking this way. It's, uh, it's difficult and you're exactly right. I think it's more difficult uh, after you lose the weight.
4: Brandon congratulations very very impressive I'm looking at some uh, photos here on uh, Twitter and it's just incredible what you've been able to do in the journey and and I hope whether it's Dustin or anybody else I hope it serves as an inspiration that you can start from a difficult situation and really turn it around so kudos to you Uh, just want to quickly get into some college football here of course Um, let's start down in the southeastern conference Georgia looks like the prohibitive favorite let's go to the west division is Alabama really going to take a step back this year or is their demise been a little bit premature?
5: I think it's a little bit, a little bit premature, but I go into this preseason still with LSU about an inch ahead of Alabama, just because LSU has their quarterback situation figured out. I think Jane Daniels is incredibly underrated as a quarterback in the SEC Tremendous playmaker, probably the best dual threat guy in the SEC West and his ability to do things on his feet. Alabama is still trying to figure out what to do at quarterback. They say it's a three-man battle there, but my understanding here early in preseason camp is that Jalen Milrow, who started a couple of games last year in place of Bryce Young when he was injured, has the edge over Tyler Buckner, who transferred in from Notre Dame, and Ty Simpson, Who had been there last season. I'm just interested to see what this offense looks like from a pacing aspect with the new offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, coming down from Notre Dame and what that looks like with Jalen Milro because Jalen Milrow, as much as criticism was thrown to him last year, I think he had some issues just trying to bounce back for some nagging injuries, the inexperience. And I think that he's a guy that's very dynamic on his feet, more so than Bryce young, even And it's someone that's going to be able to be, you know, utilized in a different way than what we've seen in the Alabama offense over the past, like three years or so.
2: Brandon Marcello joining us 24, seven sports national football reporter at B Marcello. If you want to check out the picks, as Amal said, very inspiring, awesome stuff. Now, this is what you do for a living. You cover college football. What's happened and transpired over the last, what? 48 hours. I'd love to get your take. We might lose the pac 12. I'm in California that's a big deal. Brandon.
5: Yeah. It, and it's, it sucks. Just simply as put as that, that's why everybody keeps asking, what do you think of this? I go, it sucks because college football is great because of the traditions, but also the regional uniqueness to the sport. Conferences have identities based off of playing style and personnel and recruiting hotbeds in those areas. And now we're making this more and more of a national game with these conferences. And I think we're going to be taking some of the spirit away from college football in those instances, having two LA schools in the big 10 just seems strange anyway. And it's going to change the way we view West coast schools. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the four remaining PAC 12 schools. It certainly seems like those four schools They're grouped in twos as far as taking diversion paths. I think Cal and Stanford more than likely will end up being independent. And I think Oregon State and Washington State, as it stands right now, will have a couple of choices, whether it's going to the Mountain West or maybe the AAC. But also keep in mind, the surviving members of the PAC 12 kind of hold the coins in the purse, so to speak, of what's left of the PAC 12, whether it's media rights, but also. Do we pay the members that are still in the conference this year their full shares? They're leaving us, so we can penalize them potentially and keep some of their money to, one, go recruit new teams potentially or go do our own thing and start something new. So Oregon State and Washington State have some options. I'm just not sure that we're going to see something transpire here as quickly as we saw last week. I think this is something that will probably go through maybe even potentially all the way through the end of this year.
4: It's interesting in terms of you mentioned levying the fines against those schools that are departing because you've got to try and grab some of this money if you're Oregon State and Washington State, at least from my perspective. Let's stay out west for a second. Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Are the Trojans, in your mind, the favorite and the best shot for the Pac-12 to get a team back into the college football playoff since Washington in, what, 2016, I think?
5: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Um, they are talented all across the board. The problem with them last year was that defense under Alex Grinch. They just wore down near the end of the year. Terrible missed assignments, missed tackles, just embarrassing performances in the last two to three weeks of the season. But if you look at Alex Grinch's history as a coordinator and building defenses, there's a huge jump to year two under him. And they've done a great job, obviously, in the transfer portal in year one and then year two filling some holes. Defensive tackle Bear Alexander coming in from Georgia, former five-star prospect, incredible pass rusher. Mason Cobb, an incredible linebacker, actually played against Caleb Williams in Bedlam when he was at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, respectively. They have filled some nice holes there defensively. We know they're going to score points offensively, and they have restocked and reloaded there through the portal. I really like this team. And more importantly, the trenches for them, bigger and deeper than it was a year ago. And the Pac-12 champions the last three years have been the most physical teams in the trenches. Utah these last two years and previously Oregon in that mix as well. I really like the makeup of this USC team to win the Pac-12. The problem, though, is that this might be the best the Pac-12 has been in over a decade since we saw those USC teams under Pete Carroll starting to trim down a little bit. I think that this Pac-12, because of the quarterback power we're seeing everywhere, but also because of the defenses getting better across the board, you got an Oregon State that might have the best offensive line in all of college football guys and a threat to maybe be a dark horse to win the Pac-12 this year. Washington has Michael Penix, who I think might be the second or third best quarterback in all of the country. And, of course, Bo Nix at Oregon. And you can't discount Utah the back-to-back Pac-12 champs, the Pac-12 is going to be hell to get through this year. And it's gonna be very difficult to get a playoff team in there because as we've seen, you gotta be undefeated or have one loss and that's it to get into the playoff picture. And it's gonna be very difficult with this schedule.
2: Well, the beautiful, or maybe the sad irony is what you just said, Brandon. We've been waiting for a decade for the Pac-12 not to be the butt of the joke. The Pac-12 is deep. The Pac-12 is legit this year. And there are problems up and down the schedule in conference. And the Pac-12 is going away. Like, I, you can't make it up. Like, the symbolism is insane. Like, USC is yeah. legit. Oregon. Let, let me ask you this. One, you said you don't have to do chess for another hour. Can we keep you for 10 more minutes? Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. Because we, we've got questions. we got plenty. we got a minute left. You can see the countdown. USC is, your, is, is one at plus 190. Who's the second best team in the Pac-12? And we'll come back and continue.
5: Uh, it's a great question. I'm gonna go with Washington quarterback star power superstar and Kalen DeBoer and what he does with that offense and his relationship with Michael Penix, stretching back to their days back at Indiana when he was an offensive coordinator there. Potent, potent combination there, and they've got good pass rushers. I really like Washington.
2: Okay, so here's what we're gonna do when we come back, Brandon. The four teams that we tackled today were Wisconsin, Texas Tech. Oregon and Arkansas give you three minutes of homework, Wisconsin, Texas tech, Oregon and Arkansas. And we'll come back and discuss them with Brandon Marcello doing a great job. 24 seven sports. Make sure you bookmark it for the college football season. And you can find Brandon and his journey at B Marcello on Twitter. We're back. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's football season, and bettors know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like VSIN, and now's the time to become a VSIN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and NFL guides only. VSIN subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats, power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up today for $199. You'll receive both the guides plus full decent access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or you can join for $19 for your first month and see what. See if you like it. If so, slash subscribe to sign up. slash subscribe. Make sure you check that out. Okay. Lucky enough to have Brandon Marcello join us for a second uh, segment here 24 7 sports national football reporter at B. Marcello on Twitter. And what's interesting, Amal Shaw, Patrick Maher, Dustin Sweetelson, and Brandon joining. We had four teams today Wisconsin, Texas Tech, and Oregon, and then Arkansas. And during the break, we learned not only is Brandon set to talk about Arkansas, he lives 10 minutes from campus and went to Arkansas. So you're the perfect person (laughs) to discuss Sam Pittman, seven and six last year, close losses, 16 wins the last two seasons. That's got to be I'll I'll let you start with it and run with it. That's got to be the best run since Petrino.
5: No. Yeah, it is. And they were ranked, I think, last year in the top 10, top 15 for the first time 100% since Petrino. And they, it was a little bit of a disappointment last year. They went in that bowl game meeting a seventh win and, and had to hold off Kansas. And, you know, the fan base was kind of disappointed. The fan base at Arkansas, I mean, all fan bases are sim- similar, but the fan base at Arkansas, as soon as they get a taste of any type of success, they think that, oh, next year we're going to win 10 or 11 games. And that just doesn't happen in Arkansas' history. But, Having said that, they returned some good pieces this year, led by obviously quarterback KJ Jefferson, who you could argue is probably a top two or top three quarterback in the sec going into this year, rocket Sanders at running back who might be the best running back in all of the sec, some really good offensive linemen, but outside that the rest of the roster really is like question marks. They did a good job in the transfer portal, getting like a top 15 class to help fill those holes, but listen, they don't have a game breaker receiver. They also lost Kendall Bryles at offensive coordinator to TCU, and they brought in Dan Enos, who was previously the offensive coordinator at Arkansas back in the Brett Bielema era. And the offense is going to be a lot different, a lot more tight ends and not as fast paced. They're running it more like an NFL offense. It's no more just running just to a piece of turf and throwing the ball and getting the ball rolling like Kendall Bryles. They're calling plays in the huddle, lining up, going under center at times. Um, I'm interested to see how they transition to that. It's not going to be as explosive. They're not going to score as many points. I don't think this upcoming year one because of the lack of receivers, but also this change in the offense and the defense Lost arguably the best linebacker in Arkansas history. And also another guy who was a like fifth or sixth year senior. That was a leader at the linebacker spot, and they had to replace their defensive coordinator In fact, they had to replace, I think, five assistant coaches. So this roster and this coaching staff had a lot of turnover, but you have your anchors at quarterback and running back that gives you some hope, some experience in big moments. But I don't see how this team necessarily improved roster wise from last season.
4: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Travis Williams takes over as the new defensive coordinator there in Fayetteville. Why to stay on the defensive side of the ball? I like the addition of a Trajan Jeffcoat from Missouri. He's got a potential to be an all-league defender on the defensive line. But a player I'm curious about, Jaheim Singletary, five-star, four-star recruit, depending on where you look. Initially was committed to Ohio State, decommits from there, goes to Georgia, and now transfers after one year to Arkansas. Does the talent match some of the situations with him? Because it feels like – you know, Sam Pittman to me seems like a no nonsense guy, uh, but can he come in and, and really uh, take advantage of the talent that he brings to the table?
5: Yeah, that's the curious one of the curious moves this offseason because yeah. Arkansas, they were kind of purging those type of players yeah. that weren't really doing well in the locker room. And then they're bringing in new guys to fit that space. And I-, I wonder how that'll work. I will say this defensive corner, Travis Williams. I've known him for a very long time in his previous thoughts at at uh, Auburn and also UCF, this guy is going to be aggressive with his defense. He's very creative with the way he brings pressure and disguising coverages. I'm very excited to see what he does with that defense. I think that defense, maybe not this year, but the next few years, they're going to be one of the more exciting ones to watch in the sec, especially get some of these offenses that like to spread the ball around, throw it a little bit. He he tends to really thrive in those type of situations as a play caller. Uh, on defense. And he's a young guy and he's got crazy aspirations. And I think that they're going to look, they're gonna be fun to watch at least this year defensively, if maybe not necessarily all productive. I think it's gonna be one of those situations where they might have some games where they force four turnovers and they might be some games where they've allowed 35 points and lose by double digits.
2: KJ KJ Jefferson is way down there. If I'm looking at the Heisman, but we were having the conversation a little bit earlier, Brandon. Is he the best quarterback in the sec?
5: I think some people can make that argument because of going into the season. There's not a lot of star power returning, but I think at the end of the season, he's not going to be. And if you're talking about Heisman conversation at at Arkansas, always go back to Darren McFadden. If Darren McFadden couldn't win it and is a back to back (laughs) second place finisher then you're just not going to win a Heisman at Arkansas unless you go to the national championship or, or or an sec champion, I should say. Um, But he's, he's good. I just, I think his numbers are going to take a step back this year His production because of this offense and the tweaks they're making, it's going to change. I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more and they're not going to put the game so much on his shoulders after the snap as much as they're going to put more on his shoulders before the snap. And by that, I mean one calling the plays of the line of scrimmage with actual verbiage instead of looking at the sideline for signs and also having to identify coverages and making checks. That's something he wasn't having to do previously in the Kendall-Brile system.
4: It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this team. You mentioned Rocket Sanders. I love him, uh, but I- I'm not as high on K.J. Jefferson. I like what he can do in short yardage situations with his ability to be physical. When you look around – what is probably the biggest challenge for them on the offensive side of the ball from a consistency standpoint? Because Jefferson, some games, he looks like he's the best quarterback in the league. And the other times you're like, how is this guy on an SEC roster?
5: Well, does he have the receivers? Because he's lost, you know, some big time guys, including Trey Knox, who transferred to South Carolina just within the SEC. You know, they brought in a couple new guys from the lower levels of college football, including I think the FCS, maybe even D2 levels, and one of those guys actually got to watch in a couple of spring practices in person was Isaac Tesla, who at the time, by the way, great name. Yeah. But at the time, yeah. was getting rave reviews and was sneaking past guys, sneaking through coverages, really undercutting linebackers, doing some really good stuff in these practices. And he was someone that I kept thinking that's someone I need to watch. And people on that Arkansas staff were telling me the same. But until we see a game breaker out there. That's kind of what you were accustomed to seeing Kendall Brazla's offense. He always had a big-time receiver that got that offense going and would get them out of some big holes and big ruts. I'm not seeing that game-breaker on this Arkansas roster this season.
4: By the way, Hillsdale Just, College, anybody know where that is? That's where a Tesla transferred in from.
2: Okay. Just two minutes left here, Brandon. We were talking Wisconsin. Amal and Dustin are very high on fickle in Wisconsin. They hit the portal hard. You don't have to go too in depth, but Mordecai looks like he's going to be the starter there. Do you, do you see big things for fickle at Wisconsin?
5: I do this year. They're my pick to maybe end up winning the big 10 this year. I I, I don't think it's going to happen because Ohio state and Michigan are just far above everybody else. But the reason why I say that is because I think that they might have the actually the Big Ten player of the year on their roster. And that guy is running back Braylon Allen. I've been in love with his playing style the last two years. If he could stay healthy, he is breaking out this season. A guy that is just gonna accustom to running the ball. They're gonna spread him out, get the ball to him in space in this passing game under Phil Longo, the new offensive coordinator came over from North Carolina after coaching Drake May. I really like Braylon Allen to put up some huge numbers this year out of that backfield and give Wisconsin a spark on offense that we haven't quite seen in quite some time.
4: Brandon, I think Braylon Allen's the best running back in college football.
5: I wouldn't argue with you right now. And I think this year, people are eyes are going to open because they're going to see him more as a well-rounded guy. He's going to help them out quite a bit in the passing game, I think. Okay.
2: Go hit chess 24 seven sports national football reporter, Brandon Marcello at B on Twitter. We're going to talk to you during the season, Brandon. Thank you so much. Appreciate you.
5: All right. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate that.
2: Another good job by the big guy. He had a cool setup, almost like uh the setups are important because we got. My, I got my setup here for Veasan, but he's kind of got like the gamer those chairs that the kids buy, the cool kids. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Like I, the, ha- the I had one chair. of those that the
6: cool kids have to have. I gotta tell you, there, there's one aspect to those chairs that's just absolutely underrated. They go so high that like you can just lock in and like lean back, and it just stays with you. No neck pain, no back pain. Oh, it's tremendous. The, those chairs, they are more comfortable than they look. I, I think they're awesome.
2: All right. There it is. Three up, three down. We've got plenty of baseball. Let me just check in on. We did have, I don't know. Did you, either of you play no. the early game today with Washington and Philly? It's three, three, bottom four. Did you play a big guy? No,
6: no, I, I I stayed away, but I do have two games I'm looking at for later.
2: Okay. We'll get into those as we continue. Also the top 10 coming up. Sharp money. It's v the sports betting network. This is
3: Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports
2: betting network. All right, get the picks—they're easy to find. VSEN.com/slash/subscribe. You can follow the host and guest here at the network. Also, the experts leaderboard makes it easy to figure out who to follow and who to fade. Make sure you check them out. Introductory offer right now: one month for nineteen bucks. You like it? Stick around. You don't? You go. Beeson.com slash subscribe. Make sure you check out the picks. Okay. We got you back here. Sharp money. Amal all Shaw, Patrick Maher. Of course, Dustin Swedelson with an all world day booking guests. It's just us the rest of the way for the last half hour here. Got the top 10 coming up. I know you got a couple of baseball plays. We should talk just a little baseball as we resume because you got about eight weeks to go playoff races. The next couple of months I was digging, you know, 70% of the season down boys uh, but I was digging through, and maybe we can you can catch me. But I think you could argue in the NL and AL, ten of fifteen teams still in contention. Like this is for baseball this year, and what Manfred wanted. And Manfred, regardless of what happens this year in baseball, is an unmitigated disaster, an all-time bad commissioner that won't change. He was never set for the position, and he's gone on to trip over himself at every turn. However, the pitch clock is ingenious. Should have been earlier. Manfred stopped it. Now it's back. Okay. And the pitch clock has done wonders. For example, the Phillies and Nats today are playing a doubleheader. You can very justifiably get two in with the pitch clock the way it is before it would have almost been an impossibility, but I've got 10 of 15 in each league. A couple of things that stand out. And you guys can jump in with this one, one division's a wrap. That's Atlanta. I I don't know if you two have anybody coming back in that division. They're 70 and 39. Uh, They're going to win their sixth straight division. I don't think there's a question, which is fascinating because that division has been tough. Okay. So everything else is open though. You've got the giants who, you know, eight and 10, their last 18, the Phillies who have been up and down in stretches the Cubs and reds tied third wild card. The last I looked, maybe it's been updated, but the Cubs are twenty we're twenty six and thirty six. Maybe we should start there. The Cubs, them all, were twenty six and thirty six. They took just took two of three from the Braves, and they're thirteen and three in their last sixteen. For a team that we kind of clowned a little bit for,
4: you know, not necessarily selling and buying at the trade
2: deadline, the Cubs
4: are paying off. There's no question about it. You mentioned it right now. Two and a half games back behind the Milwaukee Brewers, just two in the loss comp. Continue to play well. And I think it was a prudent move. Now, I disagreed with it at the time in terms of keeping Cody Bellinger. But this team's got a legitimate shot to make a postseason push. You look at this Reds team, team three and seven in their last 10, Milwaukee four and six. They get a big win last night. But overall, it's definitely right there for the Chicago Cubs. And this is the closest race in the National League. You mentioned it right now. The Dodgers are anywhere between minus minus eight hundred to win their division. Braves, I saw yesterday, just happened to look minus 20,000 to win the division and in terms of Milwaukee, Cincinnati and Chicago, you could make an argument on any one of the three teams to win this central. The Cubs,
2: I, I totally agree. The the Cubs, your Milwaukee Brewers, the Reds, a tailspin, Dustin Sweedleson. Uh, they had lost six straight until last night, a 5-2 win over the Marlins. So one in six, their last seven. They got swept
6: at home over the weekend by the Nats. Not great. No, I mean, it's really disappointing what what the Reds and a team like the Diamondbacks did at the deadline, like not adding enough starting pitching when you have this window and this opportunity to begin this postseason push. And instead, you just stay pat and you do what you've been doing, which when other teams are potentially going to play better like the Cubs, when they're energized by not making a move at the deadline That's just a dangerous game to play. This Cubs roster is a decent roster. Like everything is good about it. There's nothing amazing about it, but there's a lot of good there. And that division just kind of stinks. No one's running away with it. So I don't think they're out of it yet. I'd like them to back off because I've got the Brewers at 40 to one to win the world series. I've got the Reds at five to one to win the division. I need the Cubs at some point to hit some sort of skid here. The back to earth category (laughs) includes two teams.
2: One the Marlins, they're five and seventeen since the All Star break, not terrific. To the Diamondbacks, yeah. a Major League Baseball worse since July first, seven and twenty two. What's fascinating about the Diamondbacks is dummies like me, and I'll put myself first, peacocking because I picked them to go over their season win total, and they started off so well, boys, that they're probably still in the mix. But a seven and twenty two run is going to scare you. Uh, They're one game over 500. What's their season win total? Or what was it? 70-something? It was was like 74. I don't think it was that high. I think it was like 72 and a half. I'll get it for for you.
4: They'll get there just simply based on the fact they've already got 57 wins in 113 games. But Dustin brought up a good point. I remember looking at this team a couple days ago, and I can't believe they were so close to 500. Now just one game above 500 losers of six in a row, two and eight in their last 10. And it just seems like the tailspin that you alluded to Patrick for Miami and Arizona was probably expected at some point in time in the season, but not only have they both been playing poorly, they've jumped off an absolute cliff here.
2: Dustin, I'm going to, I'm looking this up because I want to 75 know and now. a half. Just, I think is what I, Oh,
6: found. it was more
2: than I thought. Wow. Saw
6: 70, I saw 74 D-backs. and a half, too. I mean, it's, it's right around there. So they've they've got to basically uh they gotta
4: go about 18 and what 31. They've got 49 games remaining. Sounds right. We
2: we shall see. So the Brewers, who the big guy just loved and I believe present day loves, they started 18 and 8. They're 42 and 44 cents.
6: What's going on with your boys? Well, it's not necessarily a, a, <laughs> a crazy good division. Well, they were without uh, Brandon Woodruff pretty much the entire season. I think he made one start, got hurt, and they just got him back this past week. But they have no offense. I mean, this – the Rowdy Telez is on his way back uh, on a rehab stint right now. But when you're relying on Rowdy Telez to come back to the heart of your order, you know things aren't going right offensively. They've found, like, young guys. They've mixed and matched throughout. But there's no no consistency on offense outside of Christian Yelich, which is why I know he's not going to win the award. Like, let me be very clear – Christian Yelich is not going to win the award. Ronald Acuna Jr. deserves the award. Saying it again, Ronald Acuna deserves the NL MVP. But I think you can make the case that Christian Yelich should be in the mix a little bit more considering if you took him out of this Brewers lineup, they would be behind the Cardinals in the Central in last place. I I
4: can appreciate what you're saying about Acuna, but I'll, I'll tell you another guy that should be in there. And really, if you take him off his team, they're in even worse shape. And that's Freddie Freeman with the Dodgers. This guy's been unbelievable. He's now tied with Acuna in terms of run scored, where the difference between Acuna and Freddie Freeman is just in terms of stolen bases. But Freddie Freeman has been an absolute beast for this Dodgers team. Um, third in the National League in RBI with 80. Uh, he is just incredible. He's Batting average, he's second in the league at 340 uh, behind Luisa Rice, who's been outstanding. Uh, to me, I don't think it should be as much of a slam dunk in favor of Ronald Acuna to win the MVP as it is right now.
2: Well, you can bet right now over at DraftKings, Acuna Jr. or the field, big guy. Acuna Jr. is minus sixteen hundred. The field is seven to one.
6: Yeah, but and I if mean, you
2: just go straight to the market, Freddie
6: Freeman, whom Amal just mentions, eight to one. But the the problem is when someone is historic, they're gonna win the award. And right now, he's gonna be the first 30 30-60 guy in the league hitting three thirty nine. Driving in right now, 67, will probably be around 85, 90, maybe even 100. He's at 99 runs already. Like, he's having a historic season. That's why what? he'll get it. But when we look back on this award or on this season for Acuna, are we going to start to talk about the pitch clock rules, the potential changes coming? Because if yeah. he goes 30, 60 or 40, 60, 60, I think things will be different next year if they they tweak it a little bit.
4: Well, that's why I I don't want to give him as much credit for having a historic season. Can you imagine what some of these other guys would be able to do when you can only throw over to first base twice?
6: No, I I get that. i all, but at the same time, he is number one in the league in steals. So like he's ahead of everyone else. The next guy behind him is Ruiz of Oakland, who's nine behind him. It's not like other guys are in the mix at 53. He's the only one in the 50s at the moment.
4: My argument is if you take Freddie Freeman off the Dodgers, I don't think they're sitting in first place. I think if you remove Ronald Acuna from the Braves, they may not have a 10-game lead, but they probably got a five-game lead over their nearest competitor, six games. The Los Angeles Dodgers have literally been carried by Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. These two guys have been incredible. Those guys are probably going to end up finishing second and third in the MVP voting in the National League.
2: Conversation we had about five years ago has been decided. No arbitrator needed. If you're starting a team with Acuna Jr. or Soto, I'm sorry. Soto's having a nice year. Acuna Jr. is on another planet. I think now. Soto's still so young. What are they, both 25, 24?
6: You can can place Ronald Acuna Jr. in any generation in the history of baseball, and he would be an elite baseball player. In fact, I think the further back you go with him, he'd look like an alien. He's so talented.
2: Yeah, he's ridiculous. I'm just curious. Now, 24 for Soto. Is Acuna Jr. the exact same age? I think he might be. Let's see. He might be 25, actually. What?
4: Go ahead. No, I was going to say, give him credit for staying healthy because, you know, Dustin, you talk about historic season. The one that I kind of go back to, the guy that would have had the all-time year was Eric Davis in 87, 37 homers and uh, 50 stolen bases in, like, 130 games, and then he got injured. But Acuna's – all I'm saying is Acuna's having a great year. I think the Braves are right where they are, even without Acuna on that roster. The Dodgers are chasing a wild card if Freddie Freeman's not in Los Angeles, in my opinion. <laughs> and
6: and, and <laughs> the Brewers are getting demoted to Triple A
4: <laughs> without Yelich. Is not.
2: Acuna Jr.'s numbers, just looking at them, are stupid. It's like just the numbers themselves. I agree with both your arguments, but wow. Okay, got a few plays in the top 10 next.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
1: 6 p.m. book an exclusive reservation with resi global dining access right this way because the american express platinum card offers access to the centurion lounge must see live events and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply this is sharp money with
3: patrick maher and amal shaw VSN, the sports betting network.
2: You got the power ratings, you got the picks, you got the previews, you got predictions, and you you can become a VSN Pro as well and get all access and a pass to our betting tools, betting splits, and the 2023 college football and NFL betting guides. Both the college football guide and our NFL betting guide will have you ready to turn a profit on the gridiron this year. The only way to get the guides and everything we offer is to become a VSN Pro subscriber, and you can do that at vcin.com slash subscribe. It's vcin.com slash subscribe. i Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you back. It's been a busy show. If you missed anything, you can always go to vsin.com and archive all the shows over there. Uh, just a couple of things before I know big guy, you got a couple of plays. You got the top 10 coming up. Uh, one, uh, Tim Anderson has been suspended for six games and Ramirez suspended for three So instigator gets the six, three for Ramirez. My assumption is they'll both appeal. Do either of you have anything on the suspension length for Anderson and Ramirez?
4: No, but I'm glad baseball did the right thing in suspending him for a longer amount of time because he was the instigator.
6: Big guy. Don't suspend him. It's good for the game. Let him fight. I Don't disagree with that. It
2: was met with outside of Tim Anderson and his family. I think most people
6: enjoyed that. (laughs) Now, uh, I I like fights in sports. I mean, outside of what happened with the Pacers and Pistons, like I like fights in sports. As long as the fans aren't the ones in the fight, I'm for it.
2: Speaking of fighting, we've joked throughout the season about you guys know who I'm about to say we've joked about this human throughout the year losing his freaking mind many, many times. He has—he's known to be low key, but this year he's become unhinged, and there's good reasons this guy has become unhinged. I'll keep going with clues. He is a guy that has a brother, and narrows it he down. Hit a he hit—he hit a a historic home run in a historic rivalry. Jose Canseco. Aaron Boone lost uh, his mind again last, uh, last night. Yeah. Aaron Boone, he's now doing shtick. He's in the Dustin Sweetelson school of managing. He said, you know what? Our team stinks. So here's what I'm gonna do. I can't outmanage you. We're not gonna make the postseason, but I can out you. And Aaron Boone, from everybody tells me he's like the most low-key, cool, you'd want to have a beer with guy from the start of the season. He's just decided, I don't know if he's comfortable in the role now. He's been there for a while, but he's feeling himself. And last night he went out and tried to embarrass the, ump, just doing Aaron Boone shtick.
4: Well, look, he's going to get fired. Laz Diaz made a couple of calls that were egregious. If you're watching that White Sox uh, game against the Yankees uh, in Chicago and some of these umpires though, I don't like how quickly they eject managers or players for arguing balls and strikes in some of these calls, Patrick, as you know, we've talked about this at length. They are so bad. I mean, it's almost like there's a borderline vendetta against certain players.
2: Yeah, it, it 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 can get personal. And these umpires, as you mentioned, and the managers, they have history together. But you know, Billy Martin back in the day, and you know, many managers were known. Sparky Anderson would go off on the manager. I just Aaron Boone, big guy, all of a sudden
6: being that dude. Look, I think Aaron Boone's looking at what's happening this year, and nothing is changing, no matter what he does. So he's probably saying, everyone says I'm not doing things right. Well, let me do something different here. And I I do think it's for show. I think it's like, look, I'm trying every possible thing and nothing is changing. The reality is... Aaron Boone couldn't do anything with this roster because you got three different things happening at once. You have a rebuild with a bunch of young kids. You have a bunch of bad contracts that you're just sitting on and refusing to pay off. And then you have a couple really good players on the team. It is a weird mix of three different directions at once. And Brian Cashman somehow always comes out smelling like roses.
4: (laughs) It's so true. I've never seen a GM stay in place, especially an organization for this long. Like the Yankees. It's, it's either shtick or he's getting a divorce. That's
2: it. It's life bringing itself to work or it's shtick because there's no way you go from a mild mannered dude to all of a sudden just losing your mind in your mid forties or fifties or whatever he is like that, that. That is such a temperament shift that it just doesn't make any sense. So well, I he, agree. I think
4: it's purposeful. He knows he's getting fired. Right? I don't think I
6: don't know if he's getting
4: fired. Oh, I don't know if he's I, getting fired. I would take that wager all day. Aaron Boone will not
6: be back. He and
2: Cashman, he and Cashman are like best friends and Cashman is sticking around. So my, I, I, Maybe you're right. Maybe Boone, he does get it. I don't Boone know. Boone
6: didn't assemble the roster. This organization's also been very clear that all decisions are made by the analytics department upstairs. So he's not making the decisions on the lineup or anything. He's not the one who decided Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers should be on a major league roster in 2023 for a team that thought they were going to the postseason. This team is disgusting. I, it is. The, I hate the. I hate Yankee fans. Do you understand? I grew up as a Mets fan. I actually was an Orioles fan until I was 12. Might jump back on that bandwagon now. Uh, I was tortured my entire childhood by Yankee fans in the 90s. I was 11 in 96. They went on this run. They became this dynasty. I should not feel bad for Yankee fans. I look at what they're putting out there right now. When you sign up to be a Yankee fan, that is not the quality of ball club you sign up to, to back. This is a disgrace to the pinstripes.
2: <laughs> i like the way you got saucy at the end this is a disgrace. what well, we are doing sports talk radio aren't we well that this was is a that disgrace was,
6: look, i'll take you under the curtain which is in my brain right now the uh coffee that i had was not a trenta today it was only a venti hey, and the venti what, what, only gets me to 251
2: i know i got you i, I, I must have had a thimble size then <laughs> 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 hey. no, I'm uh, um, all, I'm um, all might know this because it, there is something I, I lived in New York for a long time. Here is the typical Yankee fan, crooked hat, <laughs> open Jersey, tank top underneath stain optional. Depends on which
4: train gold, you're getting on with the stain
2: gold, bra- gold necklace ordered out of the back of the Rolling Stone that turns colors or source or source magazine didn't buy it from a legit jeweler and absolute unparalleled arrogance. Yankee fan tilted cap WB under the open Jersey with the fake gold chain.
4: Goomba. And they talk about how guys have to earn their pinstripes. I got to tell you, that might be one of the best summations of any sports fan of any team I've ever heard described. That is so accurate. That, that is so, and the best part is when you're sitting out there, whether it's in the bleachers or you're sitting down, whether it's the first base or third base line, any guy makes a play. He's like, "Are you kidding me?" There's 20 guys in Staten Island that can do better than this guy. I yeah. mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You're so right about that.
2: And, and Dustin just said, you got there's something amongst. Yankee fans not players let me just remind you I'm talking about the fans that believe fans also need to earn the pinstripes which is a wild stretch if you think about it because you're losers okay we only got two minutes left let's get to the top 10 we're just getting to two I like today. I like this week's list. It's Dustin's top ten casual sit-down chain restaurants: Olive Garden and Cracker Barrel were two crackers out the gate. What do you got for number eight?
6: Uh, number eight, I just think is a, is a criminally underrated chain restaurant: Texas Roadhouse. Just like when you think of chains and getting a steak, you never know if, if you're gonna get anything that's decent quality. And overall, I, everything I've ever eaten at Texas Roadhouse has been well-cooked, well-prepared, high-quality food. The only issue for it not being higher is I do think the menu is limited in what I would order there. But if you're going for steak, baked potato, and a beer, which might be my death row meal, Texas Roadhouse is really tough to beat.
2: I have an admission that I'm embarrassed by. Never had it.
6: Why? Why is that? That is a hole in my game. I don't think they're everywhere, and I, I think, like – I don't think people realize how good they are. Like, I'll tell you right now, Longhorn Steakhouse is not on the list. Texas Roadhouse is better than Longhorn. Although I do, I do like Longhorn. The only thing I'd knock off Texas Roadhouse as well is that everyone eats peanuts when they go there and just throw them on the floor, and I just, I hate that vibe.
2: Oh, I thought that was part of the panache. No. Like the, that's what people like about it. No, I think people do. I just don't. <laughs> fair fair Someone's enough. Someone's got to clean rules? that up. Like
6: at the end of hey, the day,
2: your list, bro. Uh, Number seven, maybe low, because I freaking love
6: number seven. Well, number seven, you would think with a menu so big at the Cheesecake Factory that they wouldn't do anything on it well. But I have to say across the board, they do a lot of the different styles of food from different ethnicities pretty well. Like, it's really solid food. By the way, had the cheesecake only one time when I went there, and it was absolutely perfection, as you would expect with the name Cheesecake Factory. Uh, the only issue for it being seven is the menu's too big. I'm overwhelmed when I go and I don't know what to order. I always panic order at the last minute. Then I regret what I got. And then the, the next time I order something else. So they keep me coming back because of that, but I always panic order. I'm never confident what I'm asking for.
2: You know how you get good service at a cheesecake factory? Open Yankee jersey, tank top underneath, fake gold necklace, and a tilted cap can't lose three gate great guests john smoltz ross jackson and brandon marshall boys we'll see you tomorrow on sharp money it's in the sports betting network
3: infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city
0: Elevated.